say beer. Here, uh, live on this podcast, whichever number it is, I'm going to have my very first taste of live cereal. Oh my god, this is gold! Oh, he dropped some. Here, live on the podcast, Roman is going to eat live cereal off the floor. <laughs> no, I just did, yeah. Yeah, I know. It was under two seconds. How is it? It's good. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, Mikey. Kid Mikey. test yeah, the Roman Mike, Mikey likes it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All um, right, Braden, get a fist so in there. Here for the first time live on this podcast, I'm going to try my first bite of life cereal. <laughs> mm. It's milk. <laughs> Thrilling radio. Mm. It's a good bit. This is a good That's bit. Interesting. We got here. That's interesting. real interesting. Yeah, I like it. Most of my cereal is either like a hundred percent sugar or zero percent sugar. This, but this just mix. has a little bit of sugar, yeah. right? But it. I look at the list of ingredients. It's pretty short for a cereal. That's well, yeah, I mean. it's it the building blocks of life. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, we gotta we gotta get a sponsorship from them. I'll call. I'll call that terrible, terrifying Quaker man. Yeah, I'll call that mm. Satan Quaker dude. <laughs> oh, fuck, he's a Quaker. He doesn't have a phone. Partially, oh, right. partially produced with genetic engineering. Oh, um, I'm gonna give a really it a six and a half out of ten. What would you give it if it, if it had uh, milk? Um, probably the same. Back, sort them, read them. Yep. Uh, at our respective quiet places. Mm-hmm. Then we have a Wednesday. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. we congregate back in the same place that we sorted them, picked them, looked at them, rung them in, checked them in. Makes it real up. convenient uh, because, you know, we're all good buddies and it's actually an excuse to finally get to talk about those books together because yeah. we don't yeah. really actually yeah. get to see each other that I, much. And, and the comings like, and goings of our lives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like the books. I like the comings and the goings of our lives. Both of them. I prefer the goings. Yeah. You guys should see the picture I sent Jeff and Justin yesterday. It, he was Aww. really enjoying the shit out of some book. Anyway, <laughs> uh, then we talk about them. That's our podcast. That's our podcast. That's what you're here for. Yeah. We're going to talk about a lot of books. Uh, so if spoilers bother you, um, get out now. Bail out. Just did you, uh, swan dive. Did you finish your spoiler song, Brayden? Um, There's a spoiler song? Yeah. Did I did I say I was going to write a spoiler song? Yeah, you said you were going to write a spoiler song. Gosh, we're still people... waiting on that freestyle intro rap from Justin. I forget that people yeah. listen to this. I have to, <laughs> I have to make good on these promises. Were you gonna Were you gonna beatbox? Um, no spoilers. <laughs> All right, that's a rock and roll song right there. Wow! <laughs> spoilers. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about Justice League America, Doom Patrol, Milk Wars Part One, and the Silencer Part One. Phoenix Resurrection number five. Part uh, five. Detective Comics Annual Part One of one. Probably a bunch of other stuff. Just a smattering of other books we'll, as well. We'll tell you when, books when it's bucks. time. Um, you guys, this is going to be like the first podcast, I think, uh, going up on the new day and time. 
I believe it. Jeff has a new thing that oh, he's yeah. internally committing to himself because of the new days off that I... Jeff's new groove is looking real nice. Jeff's new groove, uh, which is unfortunately entirely void of David Spade, um, <laughs> is, is shaping up quite nicely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't get that David Spade joke. He used uh, to he work here Neil a little Pert. while ago. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he was right before Neil. I don't Neil know why I talk. Brayden, Brayden just has it every time. He's always there. Brayden's, yeah. Brayden's my word saver. Yeah, he's the You're net welcome. that is always there beneath me. Roman's my flavor saver. That's why saver. you need to come out with Jana to, with me. Mm-hmm. Come out to Jana with me. <laughs> so God, okay. Jana, I feel safe with you. I, I, I could finally be myself. I need to come myself. out to somebody. This is Brayden. I'm, I'm always here. <laughs> All right. Ugh. I'm proud no. of you. Steve play. Orlando, Gerard Way, <laughs> and Aiko with uh, inks by Tamaro Bonvion and Marissa Louise. Milk with Watch. Aiko, who I love and who worked on that uh, Nick, Fury. Nick Fury book, which had weird ad placement oh. that messed up the trade paperbacks. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. J.H. Williams III was the first one who really brought that to my attention because he had an issue that he did. It was all double-page spreads in a DC book, and it forced all of the ads to be in the back of the book. And the artists don't actually get to communicate with the publishers about that. So that was actually a pretty big gamble on their part. And at that era, which was like five years ago, they weren't putting all their ads at the back. I mean, like I said, DC doesn't anyway, but it's interesting. I love this artist. He's like Frank Quietly meets Nick Darrington, who's doing the main Doom Patrol series, meets like Mike Allred. It's this, I I love this guy's style. And J.H. Williams III thrown in there as well. Like the paneling is absolutely astounding. I love most of it. Um, There was one, like one panel that kind of bugged me. Yeah. That was uh, the way Casey's face is drawn there. Okay. I do feel like they use like it looks this just artist a lot older uses different. a different yeah there was a different yeah. face in there that felt like it was a different Casey to me, mm-hmm. um, and but it, also like she kind of almost talks about that in her dialogue in that panel, yeah so, which is interesting. Uh, I tell you what, I missed a, two pages in here because they've been having so many like pages stuck together with static electricity lately. This book was fucking staticky. This one, um, oh. I do agree. I, I was feel like this one, yeah. yeah, there was some shots of the artist who. Has slightly different understanding of the character's facial structure, but um, I mean, yeah, that's not bad art. That's yeah, just, it's just different. unfortunately there was also like a double page spread that was all each page had eight panels per page, and it looked like you could either read it horizontally across the whole thing, or you had to have the pages separated. Yeah, and I, I had to stop and jump ahead to panels to understand how to read the page yeah. before the, I could read it. Usually Bendis gets me on that every time. Yeah, and his, I think he more generally like actually uses the whole double page, whereas this one, like, yeah, you I don't, have no indication as to... But, yeah. That's I, our, I, I won't realize it's a double page spread until I'm like halfway through usually because yeah. the picture goes like just a little over. It's, But I, in this case, in this book, in this artist, like it's... It's definitely, like, progressive and avant-garde enough that, mm-hmm. like, I would much, much, much rather have art like this that misses a beat occasionally um, than to have sure. really standard art. Because, like, the, the pan- like, this is, I think, one of the three most interesting panelists that there are between, like, this and Nick Fury are the only yeah, two Nick books Fury's I've known him on. But really good. But, yeah, like, I just, I really like when people explore what they're doing with paneling. And, and this, that was maybe my favorite part about this book was the art. Because that's a, a thing like unique to comics that you can play with in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So it's fun to see people really mess with that. What did you guys think of this book? What happened in this book? 
gosh. Yeah, how, do, yeah, how do we? Uh, That's a good question. It's summarize this. I mean, I can. <laughs> this is it kind of a. I felt like I got what was going on yeah. more in this book like, than Doom Patrol, the main series, has given me. Yeah. So I guess. basically, yeah. Uh, somebody in Final Heaven is selling uh, real estate. Manga Con. Earth well, Manga to Manga Con. Right? Who mm-hmm. is an old Justice League bad guy who's okay. always looking for a good deal. He's like a I didn't know like that. Like a TV show dude That's from cool. the Keith Giffen Justice <laughs> Leagues. Yeah. Which I think is maybe the only place he's ever appeared. Yeah. Until now. And he's always shouting. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and so it, it focuses on the neighborhood he's looking at buying or the a house in the neighborhood he's looking at buying and um these this this real estate guy has used a milkman to feed people milk in order to retcon their stories. So I think... And it's Superman is the milkman. So so we have extra-dimensional beings, us, who are looking down at Earth Prime in another dimension, and Earth Prime has become stale and boring storytelling, and so they're trying to end this universe and sell it, but no one's interested in any in it anymore so they're selling this milk to homogenize the whole place yeah mm-hmm. so that they can convince people to buy it off but i don't is it superman or they what no pro- it's not it's well it's casey and what was the other person milkman man is superman guys yeah. Well, no. But he's, it's, but, but it's but he's not. A, he's taken from the storied lineage. All of the yeah, other superheroes that show up are. But this is like they had to create him because Superman was too pure. They couldn't homogenize him. Right. So it's own. a knockoff of Superman. Yeah. I I really liked uh, a lot of the art in here. I really liked Manga Con. Uh, I really liked when the Ray showed up. And the way that they had like a, a four page spread was kind of silly. Did you guys catch that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So like this this two page spread. No, I did not. Goes to the next two pages. The second one was t- entirely static to me, and I didn't see that page until now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and I liked where they showed everybody's uh, origin issue mm-hmm. before they all turned back into who they actually were. I th- my my biggest problem with this issue was. Also, the art, because I think it was too zoomed in to be helpful on a lot of pages. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when the the homeowners association, the Community League of Rhode Island, shows up, we've got um, who who is who's the lady in orange, Roman Vixen. Vixen shows up and then completely with no set up nothing to visually show you what she's doing. She touches her necklace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that part I like, didn't I, know it, I didn't know what that panel was. I spent forever well, looking no, at that panel. It's and, her necklace. And so. it's like the next page before you see a partly cut off version of it. Oh, okay. I, I did look see, at that. See that's funny because Yeah I, I didn't know who she was either until she touched the necklace and I was like, oh it's Vixen. Because that's how her powers work. She touches yeah, the talisman. You, but yeah, you don't see the talisman on the first page. Like it's not right. visible there. It, that, no. that, that shows seems up later. Sloppy to me. The layouts are great. The the communication though, I think, yeah. lacks a lot in this story. It worked really well in Nick Fury. And I think that yeah. And this one's so weird that getting a weird story out of weird. Yeah. 
I graphic totally design is, yeah. is difficult for me. Yeah. Plus, I feel like they crammed a whole lot of story into this oh, one. I wish yeah. that this yeah, were not a four ninety nine comic because I liked it a lot. But I wish that it was a three ninety nine comic and like five pages shorter. Yeah. It, and two issues. Yeah. 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 Like it, hmm. the the pace just felt kind of breakneck to me, and like I yeah I was having trouble keeping up with what was happening. Like I I know what happened now, like looking back at it, but I would have liked to flesh out a, well, a little bit more some of this stuff. Yeah, I thought this was <clears throat> it's weird, but it made more sense to me than most issues of Doom Patrol. Yeah, and it's funny the art. Yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying, but there and there but there's some parts in it where where'd that page go? Where it actually he does some little things reminiscent of Keith Giffen, which I, which I really liked. Oh, like this page you guys are talking about, the big shot, and then these little panels that are close-ups of pieces of a face, that kind of thing. That seemed very Giffen-esque to me. Uh, did you guys catch that this, this splash page that has Milkman Man picking up uh, Danny the Ambulance is Action, Action Comics, Comics number one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just yeah. caught that. My favorite moment in the book is... It's a very throwaway small panel, but it's on page like five or six or something, and it's in um, Final Heaven, which is the sort of extra-dimensional place relative to Earth Prime. And the person is explaining what this milk is and why it exists. And uh, so basically he says uh, at one point, the person who's created this milk, we start at Mount Justice, Happy Harbor, where Earth rose up to meet the god of superheroes when he first descended from Final Heaven, where Earth's idea of justice has spread from. And that is like, that's how Morrison talks about superheroes, and that's my favorite way to talk about superheroes, is um, when the idea of justice was created and when Earth rose up to meet it, and the the idea of justice descended enough to spread its form, and and then that dovetails right into that the idea lineage of like Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. <clears throat> Later on, when they're talking about the god of superheroes and the lineages, can you uh, identify all of them in the that path there? I think I see like Green Arrow and Hawkman. Oh, I didn't even. Yeah, there's Hawkman. I didn't maybe even... maybe Nightwing at the bottom there. Yeah, I didn't break it down further. Oh yeah, than I didn't just even look at three. that cl- that closely. Huh. It looks like Master Roshi, maybe. And, you know, I, I like the little nods that, like, for instance, Happy Harbor. I, I forgot to look it up. But I'm pretty sure Happy Harbor is where the Justice League had their first headquarters in the cave. Oh. I think because Snapper mm-hmm. Carr, like, their teenage sidekick, like, knew of it. Snapper Carr. Snapper was that, Carr. Was that the same, uh, same one, the cave that they used in Keith Giffen's run? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Yeah, and I think Mark Wade used it in the like, early days of the Justice <coughs> League miniseries or something. Huh. But, yeah, that's exact, that's where they start. I love the... Rita the, the Rita Farr, uh, I Love Lucy show, because Rita Farr's mentioned this week's issue of, of Doomsday Clock. Mm-hmm. And I like that tying in the young animal universe. At least there's that little connection with Rita Farr, because she was in the original Doom Patrol. Right. So mm-hmm. the one thing that was confusing, I was like, wait, Earth Prime is in the old continuity. Right. That's where we are. We're the earth where there are no superheroes or superheroes only exist in comics but now i guess earth prime is actually the main dc earth yeah okay yeah i uh i i I really like this i love when like humble 1950s nuclear family america concepts are used in a meta way like i you know that's what i find that very funny um i give this book an 8.5 i think the art is astounding the storytelling and the art did have problems but um I enjoyed being a part of it enough that I, I really liked the art. 
is my big point for there. I give it a 7.5, mostly for the same reasons. I like it a lot more than, I think a lot more than any of the young animal stuff that I've read. And maybe it's just because I studied this one a lot more than I studied the other ones. But uh, Maybe it's because you're an old animal. I'm an old animal. Can't teach an old animal new tricks. No, not without a wolf you, ticket. You can lead an old <laughs> horse to the milk water, but you can't make him drink that milk water. No. Milk. 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 What do you guys give it? Uh, I'll also give it an 8.5 <clears throat> because it was a challenge to read, and I but I really enjoyed the challenge. I mean, I didn't even know until actually the full page reveal who these Justice Leaguers were. I wasn't even sure exactly like who, that this one guy was Ryan, the Ryan Choi Adam. Until the moment he appeared in costume, I had no idea who that was. Did you know that Lobo was Lobo? I knew Lobo was Lobo. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, could, I kind of thought maybe the Ray was, was him, and I just really enjoyed I enjoyed the whole archetypal thing. I enjoyed all the references. enjoyed the weirdness of it. This, this, it's an exciting ride. What about you, Breda? Um, I give it a 6.5. I thought it was quite good, but the, uh, the pacing and the, the storytelling was really off-putting for me. I would have liked more time to explore Milkman Man in this world a little more before we just kind of wake them all up to their reality and find out that he's casey's child yeah that's that yeah it was it was it was a lot to take in all at once Mm. oh guys can we talk about the silencer number one it's uh new age of heroes man dark knight's metal is being good to us bringing us all these new age of heroes books i'm gonna be silent about it this is this is the second one uh it's John Romita Jr. and Dan Abnett telling the story with Sandra Hope on inks and Dean White on colors. It's basically the story of a woman who is in, uh, she's not really in witness protection, but she's left the life and she's got a kid and long hair that you can pull when you're beating her up if you're mm. a bad guy. Well, unless you're Talia Agul, I guess. Right, right. And, uh, and her past comes back to haunt her and she's got a power. That power is to create a sh- shield of silence. So, like this dude who wants to and beat also her up. summon a gun in like a suit. This is a classic <laughs> Django book. Bad gun. boy gone good, and then that bad life in your past comes back to haunt you. At the end, when those two guys come up, her she like she pulls out her gun out of nowhere and gets her whole suit on somehow. Oh, that was what Talia gave her. She like had in the car some sort of tech, right? Dude, that well, she suit gave it to her at the end yeah. is the worst. Yeah, that suit at the end is pretty. Is there a, bad. a robotic bill for a hat in it? Um, Look at that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe it's just to keep the rain off her eyes. I guess. Um, <coughs> yeah, so she's <laughs> she's just living her life, and there's there's a. I guess what I liked about it was that. As kind of tropey as the story is, like she's out. And they got to pull her back in. Um, they surprised me with uh, Talia Al Ghul, mm-hmm. bringing mm-hmm. her back in. And there's a lot of really solid dialogue between her and Talia, where she's like, "Oh, it's too bad you got to go catch a plane." And Talia's like, "Oh, actually, my plane doesn't leave for quite a few hours, so I'd love to stay for dinner." <clears throat> I think the interaction between those, like the two, like the protagonist, what's her name? It's a really interesting name. Honey. Hun. No. No. Honor. 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 Yeah. Honor guard or something. Guest. Honor Uh, guest. Honor guest. Uh, And Talia 
uh, conversation was really, and I loved when it like zoomed in to be them whispering, and I was immediately like, yeah, yeah. Um, with with the quiet words. Yeah, I didn't mean to disparage the book at all by saying it was a definitively Django book. I I actually liked this so Apologize much more than book. Damage. Um, <laughs> Man, you guys, I wish that I didn't feel like John Arita Jr. like stopped trying after Kick Ass, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I like his art a lot, but I have not. Everything he's done at DC has felt very phoned in to me. Um, it's been so long since his Marvel stuff felt like what it used to be when he's doing like Spider Man. I think Kick Ass is, is a very high point for him, um, but. I don't know. He has a, an inescapable style to me, and I don't know. You, you can, you can. It just looks less like there's less effort in it than there than there was in Kickass, which looked like basically the same art, just better. He's been changing his style quite a bit, though. Like if you remember in uh, Batman All Star Batman, when he was doing that, we were laughing at it because it looked like a bunch of sausages stacked on sausages to make a human shape, mm-hmm. and it doesn't look like that at all in here. And well, I guess until you get to her new suit, which does look like a bunch of square sausages stacked on square sausages to create a human shape but like the i don't know man that this this is it's not as refined as his art used to be but i i think it's pretty good i like it more than i did in the batman book i haven't seen his art in a while so i was enjoying just seeing it i I like how unique it is I, i really like his style but it just feels like there's a lot less effort in it i hmm. Um, I think his action scenes in this were really, really well done. Like the the fight that she has uh, behind her car with this giant robot dude. Like while her kid's in the car and she puts a cone of silence around them so that she can have this hmm. this really pretty brutal fight. Stabbing the guy with a, a whole box full of sharp colored pencils. Yeah, like what? Oh, um, awesome. Here's the thing, Jenga. You can't just go to a store and buy sharpened pencils. I'm going to go to the store right now and buy some sharpened pencils. Oh, Jango, actually, if you could I, just... I'm okay. gonna, I, Bye, Jango. I'll be back. <laughs> All right. Going, Brayden, look what you do. He's look gonna, what you do when you challenge people. Is Ty still down there? He, we can set in. He's going to go sharpen them himself, and then he's going to try to thunk me with them. <laughs> hey, guys. Jango, where are your pencils, baby? Uh, what? I just had to pee. Oh, I didn't. I didn't go to the store. And it's a good thing pencils. we cut out that long silence of you being gone. Mm. Is it honored guests like the name of a Bond, a Bond woman? Oh God! What if all of these uh, new age of heroes heroes are from James Bond? <laughs> wow! Gosh. Um, or was that a Bond actress? I don't know. I would give this book a six. Man, I cannot believe I'm going to give it a higher score than you. <laughs> well, wow! You know, I wow. I don't think it's great, but I I think it's it is a perfectly acceptable comic book yeah i i would give this one a a seven you know what i'm gonna give it a a seven also but i'm gonna deduct one full point for the cover fold out so you're giving it a six yeah i'm gonna give it a six (laughs) dude the cover fold out is like what they're doing is if you were to put all of the fold outs if you cut off all of the front pages and put them all side by side it would be that big cover we have downstairs like that or it's like the cover to immortals number one like who is the interior art of these fold-out covers don't make any sense to me yeah it's like garbage pail kids where you gotta assemble <laughs> nine of them to make one poster or rick and morty action figures Oof. what do you oh, did you read it brayden you read yeah, it. yeah yeah you read yeah it. yeah yeah uh 5.5 uh it did the classic uh one week earlier bit at the beginning and didn't resolve it by the end and that 
That really annoys me. Well, but I who's to say that, that that's by the, the end? I, well, I know. They're, they're going to resolve it later, but like, I don't start off an issue like that and not end the issue that... I don't know. Maybe it's just a missed opportunity. I, I would have preferred that. But If your name was Honor... Right. Would you name what? your kid Jellybean? It's well, I don't think his Benji real I don't think his real name is Jellybean. Fine. Fine. Can you buy sharpened do pencils do color <laughs> pencils come sharpened? You can get them sharpened. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. I just saw some at the store a minute ago. He was just there. Yeah, they got old Joe sits in the corner, he sharpens pencils that you just bought. He just sort of sits there. He's no. a friendly guy, tells you stories about the war. He's your friend. I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> hey, Braden. Hey, Jeff. On topic of, of guys that you hate. On the topic of young animals. <laughs> if you're going to we preface we on that topic. segue like that, you got to back the segue up. I'm with you. No, you can't reverse a segue. They only go one direction and they burst into flames. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Samurai Jack number four. Oh gosh! Long ago, <laughs> long ago, um, that was my Aku impersonation. Uh, Aku is. Brayden, I read this book. Rest you had peace. said that you enjoyed this book. Was this your favorite book of the week? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Because this art is buck wild. Yeah, it's like buck cherry. Released it's... a new single and put it in comic book form. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a unique take on on our old pal Jack, and I, I like it. It's very stylized and. You know, not like the cartoon, like especially like this big old page spread there, but oh, yeah. but still very clearly Jack doing his shit. Um, What'd you like about it? I when I first saw the cover for this, I was just super jacked on it, if you will. Huh. Um, but this whole quantum Jack thing has been going through different realities or like timelines. Of Jack, like, being a mafia gangster or, like, a boxer or, like, part of a Voltron robot team. And then this one, he's just uh, just a guy working at an office, like, you know, with a, with a wife and kids. So just, like a jack just of all trades. Just doing the nine to five, yeah. Just a jack of all trades. He's nimble. Yeah. He's quick. <laughs> um, there's no candlesticks in this issue, no, but... Uh, so no, just the whole cover of him like at his desk on a computer with Aku like as his boss looking over his shoulder was just a really fun, fun way to look at the character. And I don't know, it was a lot of fun to read him, like you know this the super stoic like lone hero like lost in another time, just like trying to remember what he's supposed to be doing when he's just like working at an office and he's like trying to remember like where's my sword like what did i why am i here and like and then he like he even goes back to his family and they're they're all really nice and he loves them and like he's at peace with them but he realizes that like aku is bad and he needs to fight aku and uh, is this the same aku from strangers in paradise yes okay i was gonna say it's the same aku that drew Doom, Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. So those oh, wow. those were a couple good goofs. Um, yeah, I really <laughs> two good goofs. Good goofs, Roman. Good goofs, Jango. Uh, I I really li- I watched the most recent Samurai yeah, which I Jack haven't seen yet. Final which thing, I really and into. a big part of that is is about like Jack's uh, quest to be at peace. So my favorite part about this was that yeah, he was working in an office, but then he goes home to find that, that he has a wife and kids, and she says, "Is everything okay?" And he says, "Yes, everything is." good and you, it just, yeah. there was this really well paced moment of 
uh, for just a page and a half, you've you've got confused Jack in an office, and then confused samurai Jack in just a family setting, and he's just like, immediately he gets comfortable for a page yeah. and a half until he, he goes to do that. I thought the uh, this 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 like the the style or not the tone shifted yeah. really well. Like the office was like funny and cute, and like then he got home and was like, oh, he's kind of got a nice life and stuff, yeah. and then it was it was good. I would have liked a little bit more, like, resolution to the office or, like, reason for being in the office. Yeah, Uh, none none of the other issues have really resolved. Yeah, and so he just... They all kind of end with him. Goes away. It reminds me of sort of how, like, I would would talk to Justin, and I I wish that I... Like, I I wish that I still liked, like, Saturday morning cartoons, but I don't really. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't... They don't scratch my itch in a way. Um, So... Yeah, my my asking is genuine. I'm just curious, like what what do you like about it? Because I do like it, but it, it, I appreciated that it was kind of quick and the art was interesting and it was a nice little moment, but it didn't scratch any itches for me. Hmm. Um, I would give it a six. I think it was absolutely fine. Uh, there were some nice moments in it. The art was interesting. Uh, I'll give it an eight. And I think if you're into Samurai Jack at all, you would really really dig this. Jeff. Yeah. Did you read anything that made you? Like gave you the tights or gave you the willies or like made your made your gorge rise or made yeah. your hair stand yeah. up on the back. So of your to neck talk or... about the gorge, um, the gorge has sort of risen in the way that the Dark Knights world they're working on rising it. Like the gorge was sinking, but the gorge has risen. Um, in that, Lazaretto number five this week <laughs> reminded me of that sort of happily engorged, like emotionally filled feeling that being at college gave me. Um, Lazaretto's done, you guys. That was my segue. That was that was my segue. Yeah, I thought we were talking about metal. Yeah, it's not where I expected it to be. I know, I thought I it was like going it. to metal, but I was trying to relate it. It's jazz music. Lazaretto, number five. Who all... Jake, you, you checked out on this one, right, Rich? Yeah, my name my name's Brayden. Django Roman Brayden? Yeah, thank you. Hi. I, I, I still yeah, think about my no, horrible I, I, segue. I only got a few pages in before I had to stop. <laughs> this book is gross, man. Yeah. I do think that this ending was a little anticlimactic for it, um, but gosh, I had hopes. It was, this was only a five-issue series. I had some like hopes that it was going to touch on some larger plot stuff that was maybe happening in the world outside of this dormitory. Yeah, and it basically, I, I feel like. Um, missed a real opportunity in that they could have made all this happen in the dormitory and have something really interesting going out and on the outside world, and instead they were just like, "Oh, it's been weird in here." Well, it's been weird out there too. It it, it was like they somebody pitched it as this is Lord of the Flies, but with an ending, and then they just stopped. <laughs> yeah. Like, but it's just Lord of the Flies. Um, I that said, I I really liked it. I I respect it for making me feel really gross every time somebody peels all of their arm skin up or like when the dude gets hit in the face with scissors or a knife and like his whole like his whole face doesn't split but he's just got like this giant horrible gash down it um yeah and it balances the line between real life and like dream drug sequence pretty well. Yep. Like it does like slip into like a whole page of just something that's not going on. It's but fevers. Yeah, but which it's, is different than like fever sequence versus a drug sequence. Yeah. Overlap, but that but it these was, are definite fevers. But um, I think the art was awesome and like very evocative 
Uh, it was just gross. It was very gross while also being kind of cartoony and not something you would assume is particularly adult, but yeah. it did make me feel like gross in an adult way. Um, yeah, I guess I, I, I dug it, but I do wish that they had done something larger with the ending. Yeah, I, I could see this being uh, the first of a 64-page book that is issue one of five. It doesn't really have a why to me for existing like yeah. it doesn't like what what why did we read this story like i liked it the art was good and it was an interesting gross story but i at the end it didn't make me realize anything or think anything it was just like okay that was just a ride and my favorite comic yeah. books are ones that give me new ideas so this was fine as a ride i, I give the whole series itself um 7.5, and I give this issue a, a 7.5. I think I would have given this series probably an 8 until I read this issue. Uh, instead, I'm going to give the series a 7. I'm going to give this issue a 7. Uh, but I think I I think I probably gave number 1 an 8 or a 9. Yeah. Like, the 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 trip was fun. Uh, the payoff wasn't there. Oh. Oh. Who did it? Oh, thank you. We talked all about the art and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Clay McLeod Chapman wrote it, and Jay Levang lettered it with Adieta Bitkar as the letterer. Bitkar. 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 Roman. Roman. Are we going to do our book? We're going to do our book. Not it's unless about... you segue into it. Oh. Uh, Roman. Roman. You... <laughs> who's, who's everybody's favorite rock star celebrity chef? Guy, Guy Fieri. Fieri, you idiots! It. It's Anthony Bourdain. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Anthony Bourdain could eat Guy Fieri with one arm tied behind his back. I'd watch that. Uh, I wouldn't eat anything with that much hair on it. Gosh, I can't wait for the Food Network Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good thirty seconds for me. Uh, so this is Hungry Ghosts by Anthony Bourdain and Joel Rose, with art by uh, Alberto Ponticelli. But the and, uh, Vanessa Del Rey, who did, uh, mm. what did she do? She did... She's doing she, the art in uh, Redlands right now. I didn't realize she was yeah. associated with this. So it's an anthology series. Yeah, I think um, she was one of the stories. They, they set up that uh, it's this rich guy who's got a party going on, and he decides to... Rich guy? Sorry. Continue. Fieri? Fieri? <laughs> <laughs> he's got hair like that. Um, he Good. decides to, that he's going to have kind of this... Uh, traditional Japanese uh, horror storytelling contest. And so mm-hmm. after that, we get two different stories about um, horrible things. Yes. Maybe having to do with food. The first one was okay. It was about uh, hungry ghosts that, that like, if, if you're shitty to this ghost that asks you for food on the street... It's going to turn into a giant skeleton and eat you in front of your family. Eh. Well, ghosts are never going to yeah. be full, though. Like, there's no stomach in there. Well, yeah, I don't I think it depends on when they died. They can't digest. That's true. I, think it's I mean, if they're hungry. A, yeah. I think it's more of a lesson of, like, be nice to people, even if they're ghosts. Yeah. Um, and then the second one is fucked. Yeah, the second one was the pirates. That's, that was a pretty good story. Yeah, like these pirates fish a woman out of the sea. And they haul her up and like, hey, we're going to rape you. And Whoa. she's like, well, I understand. You guys captured me. And then she turns into like a lobster crawfish monster with the head and torso of a woman. And 
cuts all their balls off and they're like in pain but also lining up to get their balls cut off and then she jumps into the ocean and says ah i got your balls what like, did she do with the balls I, unclear okay yeah unclear it was though, though there is a slower build to that because first the captain is captain's rights he takes her into his cabin first and they don't know right away that i mean she doesn't she invites them in one by one, and yeah, you would yeah. think with the screaming, the other rest of the crew would be like, ah, uh, maybe we shouldn't go in there. But for some reason, they keep on going in to visit her, and she keeps on It's bizarre. massacring them. She's got a bunch of nuts by the end. Um, yeah. And and this is the Vanessa Del Rey artwork, and I really like the panels showing, especially when she's on the stairs to the oh, captain's cabin. That, where she's, that page scared me. Yeah, where she's half crawfish and half upper half as a woman, and then that, no. that and was terrifying. And it's all backwards and wrong. Too much yeah. rape in these... Comics yeah, today. yeah. Well, there's she's... no rape in this comic. Well, there's lots of attempted rape in yeah. this comic. Yeah, <laughs> I like the. Uh, I forgot what I was gonna say, because I flipped to this page from the first story where the giant skeleton that has hairs looming over this guy and yelling "gachi gachi gachi," whatever that means. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good. I'll I'll read more. It's it's quick, easy reads. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this uh, seven. A solid seven. Can you also rate Anthony Bourdain on a one to ten for me? Uh, ambivalent. Okay. I'd probably give Anthony Bourdain. I watched a lot of his shows. I'd probably give him a eight and a half. Okay. And he's an interesting guy. I give him a nine. I don't personally. know. I don't know if I'd like him, but it'd be cool to have dinner with him. <laughs> the actual you... comic I will give. A, I don't know. I'll give it a six. I really like the text piece in the back explaining about. This uh on, which is Japanese ghost stories, basically, and I'm not going to p- try to pronounce it, this this Japanese, I guess, from samurai tradition where samurai would gather around in this room of 100 candles, and each one would tell a ghost story and then go blow out a candle, check the mirror to see if they've been possessed by a ghost because they also believe that as they were telling stories, they're calling spirits to them. <laughs> Yeah, see, it's the spirits coming. What is that? <laughs> Sounds like somebody's cocking a gun. Yeah, some kind and, of and shooting it. Some kind of some kind of gun. Some kind of quick succession of firing. You know what time it is? The spirits are doing it. Do you know what time it is? Uh, Spirit buckshots. It's almost nine, probably. It's uh, after that, Jeffrey. Yeah, you Go have a minute and thirty oh, seconds oh, on the oh, clock. Oh my god! Shit. Go. I have. I just a second. I don't even have <laughs> no. my books in a stack. I okay. I'll, I'll pause it. Um, okay. Okay. Sorry that I was so busy thinking about long distance shotgun shots and then <laughs> how disappointed <laughs> Roman Braden was in me again. What? Did I, oh, I wasn't disappointed in you. Oh, um, that's a minute 30 on the clock. So I'm going to talk about <laughs> Punisher Platoon number 5 by Garth Ennis and Goran Parlov. Uh, this is issue 5 of 6. It's... Man, I've been... Uh, everyone knows I watched that Vietnam documentary, and my head's been real real deep in Vietnam since then. And I've actually been, each week, more excited about this book showing up uh, than basically any other book. I can't describe how differently I read and appreciated this book now uh, versus the other ones. Like, mm. I, I was reading them as books with characters, and I actually understood a lot of the context around this issue. Um, and I just lo- I think this is my favorite issue of the week for that. It, his art is absolutely astounding. There's full pages. Like, 
they I love when an artist and a writer signs their name together because I know a page is special and there's more than one of those in here. This is basically just uh, a Vietnam platoon getting ambushed by or sorry, an American platoon getting ambushed by some Vietnam as they went in to try and rescue a crew of people that are dead now. And uh, the artwork is absolutely astounding. Um, mm. The story is astounding. It's basically a two issue story. Uh, I I would love to talk just more and like more about this but i don't have time but it ends basically with the the female who has seen her, vis- her village blown up by um punisher's platoon uh take him down um i don't really care about the punisher as a character outside of his time in vietnam but i would read as many books about him in vietnam as i can get my hands on i give this uh a nine or a 9.5 i think that like the combination of the storytelling and the art is absolutely astounding there was actually a page that i opened up to um where i went oh and i love when a book makes me like <laughs> oh, make that sound um did you uh did you catch the the rhyme on the last page uh no where she shanks frank in the flank I did not put that together, Man. but that is so fucking you gotta, clever. You gotta, you gotta get your mind out of the none of those words foxhole and and just find the jokes. I had used like Garth Ennis to inform my opinions about war because I have known nothing about them, and I, I've learned in the last like six months that I'm actually really fascinated by it, and it's really nice to read uh, his work, having at least a base level understanding of what was going on to allow this story to exist, which I didn't have before. And I really want to reread Punisher Born. And I like, I, I cannot stress how like absolutely incredible. I think this have is. Have you made it? I know you're rereading preacher. Mm-hmm. Or you have well, reading been it for the first time reading preacher for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, have you made it to any of the Vietnam stories in there? Mm-hmm. Like his, his dad was in Vietnam and there, yeah. there are two or maybe even three or four. I've read two or three of them. Yeah, because that, that was yeah that was I was reading it behind you and it had some moments where it made me gasp because because yeah it was an, it was an amazing issue and they get in a horrible situation and Roman go oh, I got to do one oh crap uh, the Flash annual number one which is the Flash War Prelude um, this is a Wally West story original Wally West starts off in the future at the Flash Museum which has been destroyed they're trying to figure out what happened and somebody notices that. Like what the Wally West display, it's ch- changing in front of them. So they're like, wait, something's changing time in the past. So we go back and the flashes are fighting the top. Um, and the art suddenly changes styles. And it's about Wally West. Since he came back, he's been pretty much just being the flash. He hasn't confronted things about his life because his, his, the woman that was his wife before the new 52 has forgotten who he is. Iris West, his aunt, doesn't know who he is. And he's felt disconnected and is just hiding behind the masks. So he looks up an old girlfriend who used to be Magenta, and they have some great heart-to-heart talks. Um, so it kind of brings Wally West up to uh, huh, I didn't mean this joke, but up to speed. <laughs> um, gets him on a new path and introduces this conflict in the future, trying to solve this new mystery, which is going to lead into Flash War. And there's a big reveal at the end, which I, I, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, but it's cool. It ties into Reverse Flash and all that kind of stuff. And something interesting is coming up, and it's I think it's going to tangentially tie into uh, uh, Doomsday Clock and all that. So I'm glad to see Wally West back. 
Oh. So what do you Whoa. give it? Um, Sorry, guys. That wasn't that wasn't enough alarm. It wasn't enough alarm, but we're trying to find the right amount of alarm. I got trigger happy. We're all yeah. we're hearing mixed reviews about the the length and volume of the alarm. We want to tone it back. Yeah. A little bit, but we also want it to be scary like a nuclear maybe we, bomb. Maybe we should have it be quacking ducks. I, I almost just started changing it to other things. <laughs> I didn't know if that was appropriate. I want to get permission first. Oh. What, what do you give the issue, Roman? I'll give it a 6.7. Okay. Did you read it, Jeff? Yeah. What do you give it? Um, I give it a 7. I think I would give it uh, an 8 if Howard Porter drew the whole thing. He uh-huh. was advertised as the main artist. He probably did a third of it, the first several pages and the last several pages, and the middle was very uh, Porter-esque, not very good. Yeah, who was that in the middle um, anyway? There's another one. I really like how meta it got. Like at the very beginning, it even sort of talks about like we're trying to catch you guys up with where Wally West is and who he is and what timely like it. And they even say it doesn't make that much sense. We're working on it. Like as an editorial note, and like basically, I like that. I like that they're trying to make this continuity stuff make sense where it it doesn't. But basically, he wasn't in the New Fifty Two, and people love him and miss him, so they're bringing him back. Yeah, Uh, Braden, can you do yours in haiku? Go. Uh, nope. <laughs> Tony Stark. Where is he? Uh, <laughs> the Invincible Iron Man, number 596. Um, I just brought this up because um, there's one thing that I really, really liked about this issue, but this whole arc has been kind of up and down because it's kind of dragging on, but I think these last couple issues have been better and things are actually happening and the story's progressing, which I like. But Bendis does some really cool word boxes during... Uh, Victor Von Doom's panel or pages in this and it's just like the first one says like the hood backed by the corruptor and the living laser fires his golden guns his bullet of demonic energy out of both barrels like just that really like observational like narrative stuff that you see all the time in like older comics but like yeah he does it a few times over these couple pages and it's like what I wish they had been back in the day because they're a lot shorter and quicker but they're I don't know, they're really cool, and they made me... Yeah, and brought me back to those old-style comics in a really interesting way. Hmm. And it was a good way to describe Doom in particular. So I thought that was really, really fun, and not something I've seen in modern comics like at all, really. Um, I also read Rick and Morty number 34. Um, I haven't really kept up with this series, but I read one of the more recent ones, and I read this one because it's uh, Kyle Starks, who's doing Rock Candy Mountain. And it's all about Crumbopulous Michael, who is one of... Like the coolest characters from one of my favorite episodes in like the second season, and it was really good. That was still cool. Yeah, I just seen that art. I'm like, oh, it doesn't I have the proper that. weight over there that short. But you guys, we're turning the knobs. Yeah. It's been too loud. It's been too quiet. We're bringing it in. Sine waves. What do you give each of those? Uh, seven on Iron Man. Seven point five on Rick and Morty. All right. I liked Iron Man as well. I didn't like it quite as much as that last issue, but uh, yeah, the last issue was good. Yeah, but I really like that that Doom stuff in this one. Yeah, um, Django. Jeff, just a really peaceful Go. introduction. Would you mind starting your buckshot round now? Chick chick, boom. <laughs> Five seconds. Oh shit! You guys <laughs> each did one or two books. Okay, uh, Motherlands uh, number one from Vertigo. This comic surprised me. I looked at it. I looked at the cover. The tagline is tagging trash and earning cash, multiversal man hunting with mama. Mm. <laughs> and I thought, that book looks bad. He but said that. I had time to get another book in, and I, I thought this was really good. Uh, 
Cy Spurrier builds really good universes really quickly, and I'm I'm in for this one. It's going to be a total of six issues, I think. I also read Grave Transfers number two. This is more horrific, horrible, gross people doing horrific, horrible, gross things to other people. They're snorting drugs. Uh, one of the guys wakes up after having a really weird drug thing, hugging a corpse, thinking it's his dad. And the guy that licked the toilet seat in the first issue asks a lady police officer if she's sure she doesn't need to use the bathroom before she goes looking for the missing people. What? <laughs> Dark Knight's Metal number five is loud. Uh, in the very beginning, uh, the, the the Batman who laughs asks Bat, uh, whatever his name is, Big Bad Bat Guy, to sc- start screaming. And when you turn the page, it just says metal real, real big. <laughs> and I heard his scream. It was it was effective. Good job, metal. Well, this oh, no. is, uh, Speaking oh, of screaming, no, Jeff, it's, oh, it's, 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 it's the metal alarm. We're part of the course again. Then I got tangled in my mic. I think that one was too long. Just, yeah, that was for sure. Just too to long. add to your little thing there with metal, I love at the end how Wonder Woman is. They're throwing themselves in the battle, and she she tells Hawkgirl to to yell, and because it's and it's not a scream, it's a war cry. Yeah, to be yeah. continued. Yeah, <laughs> I'll also mention that. All of that Motherlands conversation, like, Drago was the only one that talked about Motherlands. He was like, man, that looks bad. <laughs> Boy, that no one wants to read that book. <laughs> I'm not going to read that. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, listen, uh, it, was like, it was like we were just watching somebody in denial about a thing that they know they wanted that they obviously ended up getting, but, like, needed to go through everyone. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Motherland. Yeah, I don't care. What, yeah. was, what was that other image, that, that Vertigo book that you guys want? Uh, Frostbite. Frostbite. Podcast episode number this one. Is, yeah, yeah, I remember this is, that. This is my frostbite, and now I'm gun shy, you dicks. <laughs> you made fun of me so much that I have to deny my true self. Uh, Motherlands, I'm going to give a seven and a half. Grave Trancers, I'm going to give a seven. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't surprisingly gross like the like the first one. Uh, and metal, I'm also going to give a seven. This was probably my least favorite of all the issues. There were two or three really cool things I liked in it, but for the most part, um, it seemed like a connecting issue. I thought it was pretty hopeless, like all of them have been, but mm-hmm. like this one felt the most hopeful out of all of them, which I thought was a good... The most hopeful? Yeah. Didn't Batman and Superman drown oh, no, in no. lava? Absolutely. But uh, and Arthur got oh, did shot? they drown in lava? I thought they were being like. But compared to the rest of the, the series, sinking and they were gonna go fight some battle. Like yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah compared but, yeah. to the rest of the series, I thought it was the most hopeful, and I thought that was good for uh, penultimate issue. Yeah, yeah, and I like that too because because it, it was Batman telling Superman, "No, don't give up hope." Mm-hmm. Nice little reversal there. They took it away from me once, and, and I'm Wonder doing Woman it again. talking about in her own way, talking about hope, and yeah, I like that a lot. And I like Martian Manhunter in there. I think this oh, is the first time we've seen him since Rebirth, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't even track of him, but he even says in here that he's been there on Thangar, uh, on Thangar Prime, exploring the very questions you've been asking yourself. Babe, uh, we're gonna get a book finding out what Martian Manhunter was doing on Thangar Prime. Gosh, oh, I just want to know what's in that Martian Manhunter egg. Plastic man. <laughs> yeah, and I like the fact that... Did he like that, that egg? <laughs> oh, and they had that part in there, too, with Mr. Terrific and just talking about Plastic yeah, Man know, and like, their friendship, and I like that, that was hopeful. I didn't cool. like the Mr. Terrific stuff at all. 
Oh. Hey, Brayden, do you want to sort of venture into this big old dome with me? I found a door in this big old dome. You want to yeah. step into this story dome? What, what's reality like in this dome? Is it is it real? Gosh, it's looking kind of fiery and kind of dead stuff. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. The, the coffee tastes like shit. Coffee tastes like shit? Also, I think that waitress is dead, but maybe she's not dead. Gosh, there's only one way to find out. Let's get in there. You got to read uh, Phoenix Resurrection number five <laughs> by <laughs> Matthew, Matthew Rosenberg. Rosenberg. And Lineal Francis Yu. And Joe Bennett. God, Joe. Um, gosh. This this series has been weird. I've Let's take a hot two on it. Let's take a hot a hot couple minutes of buckshot on this. Yeah, yeah. Um gosh. favorite issue of the miniseries for me. I think I think it was the best, absolutely. I um, think it could have been two oversized issues instead of five normal issues with totally inconsistent art on every issue. Yeah, it felt like Two, three, and four, like nothing really we happened. Just got like, to the dome. They were just going there, yeah. and like I, I like, I like Matthew Rosenberg, and I like wanted to like the story, but it was just not really going anywhere. I mean, yeah. I knew where it was going to end up eventually, but it was just taking forever to get there. That being said, I really liked this issue. I think Me that um, they did some really good work with Gene. Mm-hmm. They did some really good work with like Gene and Cyclops, which is the relationship I I have pretty conflicted feelings about. But I love how much it went back to the Grant Morrison X Men run mm-hmm. um, and her death in that and where that ended. Um, yeah, I think it, it it gosh, you guys, it made me really think I underordered X Men Red number one, mm-hmm. which I yeah, it's too late, it's sold out already a week before release. Jeez. Um, so that one's on me. Um, better run and grab your X-Men Reds, everybody, because uh, we'll, they're we'll, going to sell out. We'll do more on X-Men Purple. Yeah, yeah. X-Men Purple. But no, I, I like... Uh, I, I think that I think some people will definitely have a problem with this because it personifies the Phoenix Force in a yeah. way that hasn't been done. I, I, it did bother me that the Phoenix, like, spoke and, like, spoke conversationally, which... And, and like, exhibited human emotions. Yeah. And I think that one of the pillars of the, the phoenix is that it's not human and yeah. it is the idea of breaking down and being reborn better and and this one you know gene's like i'm sorry that you've been following me i'm sorry i asked for you but i'm not i can't help you you just need to go away yeah and maybe this is just like gene's powers like you know personifying it for her sake so she can talk with it right but so I, yeah, that that it kind of bothered me, but like it didn't. It wasn't something to get hung up on, really. It, it just registered to me as like, oh, I bet some people are gonna be pissed off with this, but I'm not. Yeah, so. it's it's good. I, there was this was like the kind of introspection uh, on Gene that I was waiting for the whole time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and like the first issue gave me some, and then this one nailed it. There was just three issues that I don't think really needed to exist. Yeah, um, I feel like. Yeah, if if you were curious about the whole Jean Grey coming back, like this is the only issue you yeah, need to read for sure. Not just because um, new X Men issue, awesome. Has um, she been dead early. that whole time? She has. She's Grand been dead Morris? for yeah. like fifteen years. I mean, she'd been dead on and off for before that for a while, but this was like the longest. So what probably? was the Jean Grey series that's been coming out for a few months? That's Jean Grey from the past. Who's okay, like, so that's that's like from the Iceman past. Yep. Yeah, young young Jean Grey yep. before she died. Yep. Mm-hmm. Could Old Jean Grey say, no, thank you, I don't want to be resurrected? Does she have that, like, she kind of says kind of conversation? it. They're kind of like, man, it sure sucks that we're not dead. Yeah, and she says, like, you know, I don't want to be dead, but, like, I want to, like, live and, like, have lived and 
do what normal humans do, kind of. Okay. Like, you know, normal, but... Yeah, she says, I'm not supposed to be like this. We were better off dead, she says to Scott. And and I think that, like, it's that sort of subtle character work that makes this worth reading, and I hope that they bring Gene back in an interesting and, and good way, because this did really set up X-Men Red to be pretty awesome if they carry on some interesting uh, character work that they're doing. And Tom Taylor's writing it, who does Injustice, and right. that is awesome, but he's also doing... Uh, all new Wolverine, which people are liking as well. So uh-huh. I think he's got a, a, yeah. at least a unique voice. I give this issue an eight, and I give the whole series a six. I think that it could have been just one and five. And l- coincidence, Lineal Francis, you drew issues one and five. So I really think a book suffers when you put it out weekly and make an artist do every single yeah. issue of it. Like there's no reason for that to have happened that, except for a cash grab. Yeah, and I feel like. Even Matthew Rosemore, like, writers are known for, like, you know, doing a ton of work, but I feel like Marvel's really trying to stretch him thin right now, yeah. which I, I hope isn't the case, but sometimes feels like it. Um, I give this issue uh, seven and a half. I give this series, like, a five. I don't think it probably even needed to be a series. Yeah. Could have been a one-shot. Guys. Reason for the season. Clayface? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got milk all around us, blood raining from the ceilings, but only thing that the four of us are staring at is these broken glass vials of clay makeup all around us. They're slowly turning our wonderful, beautiful, fleshy bodies into, you know, malleable clay messes. (laughs) (laughs) Can I say how much I love this cover of Detective Comics? It was a really good cover. Annual number one. Almost got it. It's, it's even got the lines in it like it's an old movie poster. It's called The Curse of Clayface in quotes, just like an old movie poster. Yes, but the gruesome origin of Batman's foulest foe. Yeah, this, I love this cover. I So I saw that and I thought, fucked up pulp book. Mm-hmm. Oh. But I, I, I like that you recognize it. Uh, it's a poster that is thematic. Uh, so this is by James Tinian IV. Jimmy T.I.V. Thank you. So, and can, Eddie Barrows. Can I... Derail this already. Mm-hmm. Brayden, what happened to that whole second arc of Detective Comics when Azrael came back? I keep seeing pictures of that, and I I read the first arc of this story, which this one seems to be building off of a lot. But what happened in the middle there where like, Azrael was around? I'm not all caught up. I've okay. read the first trade and, like, the last, like, five or six months of issues, like, Okay. So yeah, I, I'm not sure. Azrael, Azrael's back though. Uh, well, he was he was in the issue that we read uh, a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, was, yeah. Uh, maybe working in like a churchy hospital. He's sort in of. he's in the very first issue of this run where uh, he gets assassinated or targeted by some people that Batman right. tries to thwart. I don't know yeah. if this is a popular opinion or not, but I only like Azrael when he's being drawn by Joe Casada. Oh. I think after that, everything was downhill, and I didn't. I, I, I wasn't. A fan. I mean, yeah, I've never I really liked him that. drawn by anybody. But <laughs> I mean, I, I, just, li- I like that he's back. Like the Ray and Azrael both came out pretty close to each other, and just just floored me with how cool the artwork was. Hmm. Uh, now, when you go back and look at the artwork in the Ray, it's not nearly as grabby, and that might be because the paper and the ink has they haven't weathered well are you trying to tell me that joe quesada did art not at marvel yeah he did right. art he did he did the four issue Azrael miniseries with who who wrote that 
Dude, even Chuck Dixon. Even. I love Chuck Dixon his art. All the Batman stuff. I think that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think he does more interesting perspectives on shots than just about anybody. Like, yeah. if you look at a crazy shot where you're like, "Whoa!" Like, it's probably Joe Quesada. Like, and, I have a poster of his in my house. And he's got a, he's got a, an eye for shadows that is like on par with Sean Phillips. I think. Hmm. Like he knows he knows how to do just big swatches of black and make a huh. make a picture look good. Okay, well, so, yeah, I just wanted to know if anybody knew for sure what was going on with Azrael, because oh, yeah. I'm interested in him uh, just because I read Nightfall as a little boy. Yeah, no, I've, I've only read Nightfall recently, and he was just more of a joke to me, Yeah, yeah. which... Okay, we we we'll save Azrael for another podcast. Yeah. Um, this so, was real good rebirth retelling of Clayface's origin. Yeah, Six pages in, I thought it was dumb. I was uh, <laughs> I was really excited for this, this because dad. the uh, the last Batman annual I had read, which did a new in a new uh, origin story, was the like New Fifty Two Batman annual reintroducing Mister Freeze, mm-hmm. and I really didn't like it. Yeah, and. So I, I, I went into this like knowing that I was really big on Clayface and Detective Comics right now and that it was gonna retell the origin, so it I was really excited for it to be a cool annual doing a new cool origin and it really, really paid off. I thought it was fantastic. What do you guys think of origin stories of these characters that we've been around forever that include cell phones in their early days? Yeah, it's weird, I isn't it? I really don't like yeah, it. I don't like it. Like, his dad is who I think of as Clayface, and he's, like, old. Yeah, his dad looks like, you know, like in the 20s or 30s or something. Right, mm-hmm. right, which doesn't make any sense for the, for the timeline, but. No. Um, and I guess, I guess at this point, like, you almost have to have smartphones in any sort of superhero, like, modern superhero retelling, because Batman's not 20 years older than he was when Clayface started out. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't. I don't know how uh, how much Marvel's been trying to do it lately, but they always seem to try a lot harder than DC to like have everything have happened before and like time. Like Peter Parker was like a kid, like way back in the day, and now right. he's an adult now and stuff. And just don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. I prefer that. That said, I really like this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there were there were no surprises in it. It was it was pretty pretty standard, and there's so many clay faces that you could kind of write your own uh, origin for any of them, and it would probably not get noticed. But this this was a this was a solid what forty pages. It was a big one. There was a couple. The that Flash annual was. They were both real big this week. Yeah, this, one was, is cool. this one was big and pretty pretty dense on a lot of pages too, which. I didn't mind. I loved uh, his. I loved uh, Clayface's face after he's been. Yeah, that almost <clears throat> two face. Man, I really, really wish that this artist would level out or something. It's like reading a a book by somebody with bipolar two or something. It's. Um, I think that in general the art is just average and sometimes below average. And then when he does the like more watercolor pages, they're gorgeous and wonderful but he vacillates between two very distinctly different styles in here like um and that's something he's done since the first issue and i don't know i i don't mind the tactic itself i I like the idea of it but i wish that one wasn't drastically better than the other but like the faces in the more standard style that he does 
are just I don't know. None of them feel like they're all all their mouths are weird. I, I, there's there's well, some like really. Sorry, what were you? Thinking? No, oh, go ahead. Well, well, it's just yeah. I don't know, Braden. Some some of the mouths, a couple of the mouths are supposed to be weird. I think. I'm sure, but he also like like why why switch randomly to these? Because it's not like here's the big reveal and it's this gorgeous page. It's like well, here's here's a panel that I spent a lot of extra time. Well, on. maybe he's you know started trying to do all this detail stuff and then the deadline comes up and you gotta crank stuff out more. I don't. Yeah, I really like the way this is told, like an like an. Uh, 40s i'd say 40s um universal horror movie yeah that was that was cool and it even throws in the a, a little they don't really mention it but the origin of lady clayface is in here too yeah yep almost as an afterthought i thought but it was yeah almost, still it was yeah. still good to see like oh that's why she's so pissed at it i mean yeah and yeah it fit with i didn't realize that lady clayface was an mm-hmm. ex-girlfriend of clayface has she, I don't think she always has been. Has she? Is that maybe that? Yeah, maybe that's a new thing. I think with it this is. issue. Yeah, I think. I mean, this isn't exactly his old origin either, no. right? No. So I think that they're they're messing with. Yeah, because I don't remember the thing about a car crash. Um. God, some yeah, and yeah, Jeff, you're right. Some of these panels with Batman stuff are beautiful. This two page spread of. Giant Clayface and Batman mm-hmm. on the corner on the side here is that's gorgeous. I I I'd give it an eight point five and I uh, give it a nine if the art was more consistent in it. Um, I think like the you, writing is. You mean in this this book in particular, or the series? I think that that is a complaint I would have about the whole series at this okay. point. Okay, just how good the colors are. And I'm gonna give it an eight because there are some, like this panel where he's he's pouring the the secret ingredient into his clay, and just the way that light works on his disfigured oh, yeah. face, like it looks, it it looks like you're actually seeing this guy do this in a movie, mm-hmm. and uh, and and just all over like there's a sunset scene mm. that the the lighting is just perfect. I, I'm, I'm gonna bump it up to an eight just based on that. Also, don't t- don't talk on your phone and drive, kids. Gosh, no. That's <laughs> yeah. why they had to have smartphones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they yeah. could set that up. Yeah, could have been car phones. Mm, that would have been pretty funny. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love all the stuff, the classic movie. And I think they did that in Batman the Animated Series with the Joker's origin, maybe. The classic scene where the guy work, wakes up or surgery's over, he's disfigured, he asks for the mirror, and mm. looks in the mirror, and Gosh. loses it. Breaks the mirror. I love that they do that. I love few that times they just always keep those mirrors handy in the in the hospital bedroom. Yeah, haven't, like, they, haven't they seen the movies? Yeah, <laughs> they like, should get all the mirrors out of there. He's gonna turn into the Joker and kill you. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, like yeah, it was like a heart wrenching issue. I think that like the character work done with Clayface in this was really good. Yeah, and it really it's it's. I mean, of course they did it because of the current Clayface storyline, but it really added to that story mm-hmm. and what he's been struggling with there. About being thinking he's a, he's a monster. Dude. Yeah, no, I thought that was really resonant and just kind of that. It's really easy to relate to the, like those things your dad says to you when you're a kid, or like either either parent says to you that just kind of like sticks with you like your whole life. And yeah. I never ate more than two eggs because my mom said three eggs would make my gray matter swell and give me a headache. And I googled that shit like forty years later. Not true. Not true, mom. <laughs> but you still don't do it. No, I eat, I'll eat a nine-egg omelet if I got enough room in my belly. Okay, so you're a monster. You've shown I, your monster. <laughs> yeah. I, I could eat 100 eggs. 
Uh, what do you give it, Roman? <laughs> um, I'll give it an eight. No, I'll give it a. I'll give it an eight and a half. I really like this one. I'll give it a nine. I'm going to give Jesus. it a nine. Jesus, because somebody cause, stop it. Yeah, look at the back of this. <laughs> it was so good, and the and the final page is. Oh man, that that, that that shit that your parents say to you that fucks you up forever. Like mm-hmm. yeah, and seriously, I I can't think of any examples other than the egg, which is silly. But every <laughs> yeah. once in a while, I'll be like, oh, this is why I do this self destructive thing. And it was it's it's always something that my mom or my dad said to me, and I either didn't understand it or took it way too much to heart, mm-hmm. or just some flippant thing that they said, or they were you know they were talking about something else, and I misinterpreted it and it like that kind of stuff affects your life and like way more than the movie they didn't want you to see or you know all this stuff that your parents protect you from it's these little things that that for me anyway have messed me up in whatever way Mm -hmm. um and like that's not their fault they they can't protect against that and you can't protect yourself against that because you're too young when that happens. Well, it's also a lot like me being bashful about really wanting to read Motherlands when I saw it on the stands. But <laughs> I love I love that about life and parenting. Like there's the lessons that we try to teach people, but oftentimes the lessons that are most important are tiny little things that were never meant to be lessons. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. everyone is way more influential whether you're a parent or even a friend or an acquaintance, we're all way more influential to each other than we realize. We're all scared that everyone is thinking about us more than they really, really are. So then as soon as they say something about us, we're like, oh, fuck, not only are they thinking about me, but this is true. And I do, like, it's, it's yeah, it's crazy. Um, I give it an eight and a half as well, it's Jeff. I uh, I really like the art most of the time, but, like, the stuff where he's not Clayface, it's just kind of like him as a normal guy running around with his girlfriend like that. All that art was kind of boring to me. Well, he's got three art styles in here, really, if you count the the flashbacks with his dad. Which, I like the the clay face tone coloring of those. Oh, uh, I yeah. didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, that looked like uh, Joe Orlando from the old Shadow oh. Annual number one to me. Yeah. Which is why, like, I will probably spend my entire life alone, because the closer a comic book gets or anything gets to being perfect to me the more willing i am to point out what's wrong with it mm-hmm. and like when when a story is so great and then the art is so great you know some of the time i'm more willing to point out when it's wrong to me mm-hmm. um which is why i generally have more informed criticisms about the things that i love yeah, I mean, than things that i'm passive about i get that way about like uh uh peter tomasi and like the batman uh super sons batman and robin stuff because like like super, like they've been they've been doing a lot lately, and I really really love like that first Batman and Robin New Fifty Two arc, and so I get really protective of what I want them to do. Well, you hold it to a higher standard, yeah. I think if it's something that you really love. It's I was actually talking with Kevin Ernest today about the new Star Wars movie. Love that guy. Oh yeah, and he he was like, yeah, I give it a three and a half. I didn't like this, and I didn't like this, and I didn't like this. Three and a half out of five or ten. Of, <laughs> that's what I said. Out of five or out of ten <laughs> or out of three and a half. He said out of five. I was like, I would I would give it a solid four, four and a half. Uh, and then we we chatted about it a little bit. And what I what I kind of decided while we were talking is that I really appreciate when a story can just kind of wash over you and nothing you can do can prepare you or 
make you be able to guess before you before the movie starts what's going to happen or where it's going to go. Like in that when when everybody sat down for that movie, we had our own opinions about what was going to happen, who's Snoke, who is uh, who's Ray's parents, what's Luke's role in this, what's going to happen to Leia, uh, what's the deal with Finn and uh, Ray, and you all of your predictions were wrong. Every one of them except maybe Luke dies in the end. And that's why I like Star Wars is I like yeah. everybody caring about a thing. And then hypothesis, like I, I said that last week about Doomsday Clock. I, mm-hmm. More than the project itself, I like just when enough people care enough about to read into a thing. Yeah. And my favorite comic books are things that make me read into them, which is sort of why that like that Saturday morning cartoon thing um, ha- like doesn't resonate as deeply with me as I wish it did. And like Justin and I talked a lot about it. It's just like I really like new ideas and I really like just trying to solve puzzles. And and so my my favorite comic books are ones that like make me feel like I'm solving a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the downside of that is that I don't appreciate having fun. Because my fun is having work, so <laughs> so like there's a joy that's taken out of it. But yeah. So what? Well, did you, so what did you give? Uh, Doom Doom Patrol JLA. What score was that again? I don't remember. Because that um, was a puzzle. It was like seven point five to an eight point mm. five. Like the art. I think it was an eight point five. The art to so. me. There's a lot of pieces in that puzzle. Yeah, the art yeah. to me was like a particularly fantastic thing that I just appreciated the whole time I was reading it. I think that that artist is kind of early in their career, and I think that there are things that they could do better. But there was never a thing in there that seemed poorly done to me. Um, I can't say the exact same thing about the Detective Comics art to me. Um, yeah, right. I would say the bigger flaw in the Justice League Doom Patrol thing was uh, that it was a little overly dense and tried to put a little bit too much in there. Um, it was more like uh, three or four percent milk than like a nice yeah, two or one. Exactly, and that's the other reason I didn't bring milk in, you guys. Is I'm a whole milk guy. I'm a that's recently true. whole milk Did guy. Did you say a nice two or one percent milk? Two uh, percent is where I'm at all the time, but. <sighs> I was raised a two percent boy, but I've turned to a three percent whole milk sure. man in Closer the last to yogurt, two years. The better. You know, in uh, Germany, they've got like, like two two point five, like three point five. The two point five is pretty good. I like, or no, one point five is pretty good. I've really come to like three point five, or sorry, three three point oh. Your classic whole milk. I'm Jeff Figley, and I really like a nice whole milk, but I could never, ever, ever, ever drink it in a glass. And I don't even think I could look at somebody drinking it in a glass. I'm Brayden, and I get cranky if I go a day without a glass of milk, at least one. <laughs> Ideally three. I'm Django, and uh, when I was maybe five, five and a half, I was having terrible nightmares. My mom took me to a doctor, maybe a real hippy-dippy doctor, and he said, try not feeding the milk. And so I haven't had a glass of milk since. I've never had milk and cookies. And I actually seriously put apple juice on my cereal. I love solving problems and puzzles. That's a Jeff thing. I just talked about that. That is a valuable piece to a puzzle that you don't often get pieces to. It's a tragic piece of puzzle. Don't tell Justin. You guys can't team up on this puzzle. I think you should team up on this. I mean... I'm Roman, um, and I used to drink 2%, just like my dad, every single day. In fact, something that we used to do, both dad and I kept our milk glass in the freezer... So the so the kind of the milk residue would form a nice icy sheen on the glass, and we would keep using it for like a week or two. Just pull it out of the fridge, eat a freezer every time you want a new glass of milk. And yeah, mom was like this so disgusting, you guys. 
it's horrifying. And yeah, now I realize that is disgusting. But I did it all the way through high school. <laughs> Listen, I've got... Uh, and now I drink yoo I don't drink milk at all. a really nice uh, haiku to, to send us out on. Oh, shit. Jay Christensen, thank you so much oh. for your weekly haiku contribution. Jay. Hi, Jay. Um, Tales of Suspense, number 101. Oh, the second yeah. in the arc of five. Oh, yes. Buckshot haiku. To find out the truth, be sure to ask the redhead if you catch her. We'll see you next week. Wow. Bye, everybody. Bye. Enjoy your milk. Searching for someone, looking for something.